0: Check, check, check one, two, mic on, mic working. I think we're good to rock and roll. Oh, we're recording. Well, let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me for episode number 104. We have some news to talk about. First off, I want to congratulate Alexander Bogarts and Raphael Devers on winning the Silver Slugger for the American League shortstop in Bogarts and the American League third baseman in Devers, both well, well-deserving Silver Slugger award winners. Congratulations to them both. In terms of Red Sox, there's really not any other pressing news to talk about, so it's going to be little to no Red Sox talk besides just that. In this episode, though, we will be talking Bruins. In this episode, we will be talking Celtics. In this episode, we will be talking Patriots. And also in this episode, we will be talking about NFL scores for week 10 that we will be predicting here on this episode. So what is going on, everybody? This weather right now. I woke up. And it was just, I was like, what the hell is going on outside? It was just the wind. And it's like, not warm, but it's not cold. I don't know, it was weird. It was weird. So that's what I woke up to. Past few days, though, since I last recorded on Monday for episode number 103, it's been nice. It's been nice out, you know, during the days, the afternoons, it's been fairly nice out. So I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. And today, chilly, but rainy and windy. It's like, oh, what are we doing? Ugh. I know it's New England. I got to get over it. But before we talk about the Bruins, Celtics, and everything else that we have planned in today's episode, we do obviously have to address the elephant in the room, and that is Odell Beckham Jr. signing with the Los Angeles Rams not the New England Patriots unfortunately a dream of mine will not come true for at least the rest of the season i don't know maybe in the off season he might come here or the patriots might want to sign him come the off season who knows but obj off to la la land where his personality and character will thrive in terms of like you know the kind of clout that he has the kind of people he hangs out with etc cetera, etc cetera. But in terms of a football perspective, in terms of him wanting to win, this is a great move for him. And honestly, a great move for the Rams. I'll get into the whole Rams piece in, in, in a moment. But this is a great move for OBJ if he wants to go win. The Rams are in the thick of things. They're one of the best teams in the NFC, if well, at least the NFL, period. So him going out there with a... Great quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup is having a historic season so far. Robert Woods is fantastic. Now you throw OBJ into that mix, he's not going to get as near as the production or be the focal point of an offense if he was to come to New England, for example. Right? Or maybe uh, not even Seattle because they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But he's going to be a great fit. You throw him in the slot, you can throw him in the outside, and he's going to... You know, he's going to perform. Hopefully, right? That's the hope. I want to see Odell excel. I mean, I'm a big fan of Odell. I liked him since LSU. I hated when the Giants drafted him. And then there was a whole thing where he might get traded. It's like, oh, Bill, step in and trade for him. Then he goes to the Browns. It's like, all right. Browns are going to be a legit team now. You know, they got Juice. They got Baker. They have Nick Chubb, Odell. Then they got Kareem Hunt later on. So I like this move by Odell. Now, obviously, if he went to New England, he would have been the focal point of our offense, like I said. Because we have Aguilar, Bourne, Henry, Johnu Smith, Kobe Myers, Nikhil Harry. No A lister, right? <clears throat> we wanted Smith and Henry to become those A <clears throat> excuse me, goodness, those A list receivers, those A list weapons. But they haven't been. And you your offense has been getting by decently. There's been times where it's been able to perform and thrive based off of team unity and, you know, just kind of thriving as one cohesive unit. But when you need a player to make a sure bet play, they don't have that. Like, for for instance, a couple years ago, Brady, you needed him to make a big throw. You felt confident that he could make a big throw. You needed a big catch or you needed someone to get open. For a first down, third and seven. You needed this first down. You felt confident that Julian Edelman or Rob Gronkowski could get open and could catch that ball. Or I should say would catch that ball and will get open. Like you knew that Gronkowski will get open and he will catch the ball. You knew that Julian Edelman got open. He will catch the ball. And you could even say the same for Danny Amendola towards the end of his tenure with the Patriots. You could say the same for Chris Hogan Towards the end of his time with the Patriots as well. James White, you know, Shane Vereen when he's here for a while. Those guys. And I'm just talking recent time. Obviously you can go look back, you can dial the clock back, and you know, you can even look at Dion Branch, you could look at Troy Brown, Kevin Falk even out of the backfield, Ben Watson early in his career. Like you felt confident in those guys. And obviously I'm missing a ton of other ton of other players, but that's besides the point. You get the point. The Patriots don't have that right now. They don't. And I don't know what the contract was that Odell signed with the Rams. I don't know what the contract was that the Patriots offered Odell. I just know that the Rams, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Patriots were all interested. And the Saints too. But without Jameis Winston, I don't blame Odell for not wanting to go to New Orleans. There's been those rumors that Odell wanted to go somewhere where he was going to get coached up. Now, I'm not saying that Los Angeles isn't that place because Sean McVay is a great coach. But getting coached up by Bill Belichick seems very, very neat. Seems very, you know, eye appealing, even though you guys know how I feel about Bill Belichick as a head coach without Tom Brady. But if the Patriots were able to bring in Odell or Odell was to sign with the Patriots, you know, I guess they go hand in hand. Yes, Odell's had some issues the past couple seasons, even this season included. And you can just look at his track record. It's not consistent. But like I mentioned on Monday's episode, the potential is there. He has the skills. He has the ability. He has the traits, the characteristics, or whatever you want, the attributes, if we're playing Madden, to be a top-five receiver. He has that in his tool bag. I'm not saying he's not... I'm not saying he's not because I know he's not, but he has all of the intangibles to be a DeAndre Hopkins, a Devontae Adams, a Keenan Allen, a Cooper Cup this year, right? He has all of that makeup. And that is someone the Patriots really desperately needed. Now, do I feel okay that the Patriots weren't able to get him? Odell? Yeah, I feel fine. But just imagine Odell plugged into this offense where you have an accurate thrower in Mac Jones getting him the ball over the middle, on slants, on screens, just whatever it may be. Having someone that o- that uh, Mac Jones can trust. Hey, I'm, I, I need this play. I see you one-on-one with the corner running down the sideline. I need you to come down with this ball. He throws it up to him. Is there anyone on this team right now that You feel confident Mac Jones could throw the ball up to on the sideline and that you know they have a strong chance coming down with it? No. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Odell's going to catch that ball 10 times out of 10, you know, like a little 25-yard fade you know, up the sideline. I'm not going to say he's going to catch it every time. But I like my chances a hell of a lot better with Odell than Bourne, Aguilar, Myers. So, I mean – the Patriots did lose out big time on bringing somebody in. They could have really solidified themselves as a playoff threat, as a playoff weapon, uh, playoff contender with a weapon like OBJ. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Odell would have made the Patriots a short bet playoff team, a Super Bowl contender, winning the AFC East. Not going to sit here and say that because he wouldn't have been. Because there's still some question marks revolving around OBJ, work ethic. You know, does he still have it? He's 29 years old. You know, does he still have those skills and that potential still being basically 30? I would like to think he does. Now, he may not, and I could be entirely wrong. But we'll certainly find out when he goes to to L.A. You know, he's not going to some scrub team. He's going to a team to win. And if that's what OBJ wants right now, then obviously the better bet is to go to L.A. than it is to come here to New England. I get that you know you're at that point in your career you've made you've you made a hell of a lot of money you kind of you're in a tricky spot right now go to a sure bet Super Bowl contender in the Rams and go get that ring and then you can make another contract you know because you'll still be 29 you can sign a four year deal yeah you'll be you know 29 30 31 32 when you sign that deal 33 at the end of his birthday is in November. So I don't, I don't blame him because if he comes here to New England, he's not guaranteed. I don't want to say the Rams are a guarantee, but the Rams are in a much better spot to win the Super Bowl than the Patriots are. And I don't blame OBJ for wanting to put a championship potential at risk. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And I guess since we're talking football and Patriots, I guess I'll kind of jump into my Patriots discussion. I kind of want to save it for the end, but it would make no sense to go from Patriots to Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, football, right? So let's just stick. Let's just stick with Patriots chatter. Patriots, ironically, are playing the Cleveland Browns this week. Week 10, Sunday at Gillette, 1 o'clock game, Odell Beckham's former team. And this game had a lot of hype to it at the beginning of the season, I think. And it still does. It's a huge game for both teams. Both teams are 5 and 4. Both teams uh let me AFC wild card standings. Let me bring up the playoff picture. Both teams are fighting for a playoff spot. And it's not just the Patriots in in the the browns, you know, the chiefs are 5 and 4, the bengals are 5 and 4, the broncos are 5 and 4. You know, a plethora of 5 and 3 teams, the colts are 4 and 5. It's honestly anyone's conference. Yeah, you got your Tennessee at 7 and 2, you got Baltimore 6 and 3, although they just lost last night. It's honestly wide open for anybody. The bills are 5 and 3. Patriots can go up to 6 and 4, maybe the bills lose and now they're 5 and 4. You just don't know with this conference this year. You don't. If the Patriots win, they go up to 6-4, and four, potentially taking over the AFC East division. Obviously, the Bills will have to lose, and they're playing against the Jets, so I don't see that happening. But the potential is still there. Those two games against the Bills in, in a few weeks are going to be a lot more important than we may have originally thought. But look at the Raiders. They're 5 and 3. Ton of things going on with them. They're playing the Chiefs this week. The Steelers, people thought they were washed up, but they're 5 and 3 playing the Lions. Should be a cakewalk for them. Uh the Chiefs are playing the Raiders, we already mentioned, the Browns playing the Patriots, already mentioned. The Bengals playing the Bengals are wait, what? Wait, why did they say the Oh, the the Oh, the Bengals are on a bye, so they play the Raiders next. Okay, because it says the Bengals are playing the Raiders. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Bengals are on a bye. They're 5-4. They play the Raiders next week. Broncos thought they were good, thought they weren't. They're kind of holding their own now. They played the Eagles. Should be an interesting game. And then the Colts are playing the Jags. A lot of good games going on in the AFC. One win for one team and one loss for another team is going to change a lot of things this week because it's so jam-packed. That's why every game moving forward is going to be crucial, not just for you and the Patriots, but for the Steelers, the Raiders, the Browns, the Bengals, the Chiefs even, being at 5-4 and four past the midway point of the season. So this game, now I said at the beginning of the season, wait for Week 10 when the Browns come into uh, Foxborough. That is when the season, I don't want to say season, that's when the schedule is going to get tricky and tough. I had the Patriots at like 6 and 3, 7 and 2 or whatever after the first 9. I was a little off. I was a little off, I'll be honest. But they're 5 and 4. They're doing a lot better than they started at 2 and 4, 1 and 3. So I'll take it. I'll take it. They're in the thick of things in the playoffs, which a lot of people did not expect. Some people did. I was one of those people that did. I even said at the beginning of the year that I have the Patriots pegged in as a playoff team. I think I had the, no order, Chiefs, Chargers, Chargers I had in the wild card, the Bills, Patriots were in the wild card, Uh, the Ravens, Browns, and I want to say the Titans. That sounds about right. But honestly... The Broncos could sneak in. The Bengals could sneak in. The Steelers are currently in. The Raiders are currently in. This conference is wide open. And the next few games for the Patriots are going to be crucial. But it all starts with this one against the Browns, obviously. And I've already kind of taken a look ahead. But you, play the, you have a bye week coming up. And then you play... Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, you don't. You have the Falcons on Thursday. Then you got the Titans following that ten days later, and then it goes into December. When is your bye week? When is your bye week? When is the Patriots bye week? Isn't it like week fourteen? Patriots bye week twenty twenty one. Why am I so yeah it is week fourteen. Okay, so it's after it's before the Colts game. Oh, when's the Colts game? Nineteenth. Oh, okay, I see. It's between the Bills by Colts. Bills. Okay. Okay. So let's just focus on the games at hand before the bye week. That's what we're going to start doing before the bye week, leading up to the bye week. That's wow. You play the entire season, bye week, and then you play four more games. Interesting. Browns, Patriots. Say you win that game, six and four. Patriots, Falcons, Thursday night football in Atlanta, tricky game, going to be tough. It's a winnable game. Let's say you win it. seven and four. Titans come to Foxborough. Let's call that a loss. That's seven and five. And then the bills, well you're going to you're visiting the bills in Buffalo. say that's a loss. that's seven and six. So two wins, two losses. Game over five hundred still just like you are today. Can you win three out of one? Uh, three out of four of those games? Obviously it'd be nice to win against the bills because that's the division. That's the game you really want to win. You really want to win this Browns game, obviously. You really want to win that Falcons game. Those are both winnable games. You could, you should, and you... I don't want to say will, but you could and you should win those games. Titans, if you're going to lose one, I feel okay losing to that, because, that game because the Titans are beating freaking everybody. They're beating the Bills. They're beating the Rams. They're beating you and me. So if I'm going to pick one game that the Patriots lose in the next four, I'm picking that Titans game. Because the Browns this Sunday should be a win to stay above 500. Huge momentum thing. Get a nice four-game win streak going, carry it through. Then Thursday, short week. You and the Falcons both have a short week. Quick turnaround. Got to travel. That's a game that you could lose, but if you can rally, win, then you will have a five-game winning streak. You'll be uh, seven and four, having ten days off before the Titans. That's a lot of momentum going into a 10-day, you know, 10 days in between games. You come back on Sunday, the 28th, you play the Titans. Well-rested, tight game, tough opponent, but you have momentum. They probably have some momentum. Could win that game, but if you're going to lose, like I said, you're going to lose that one. And then you got the Bills. I believe that's Monday night or Sunday night, I think. But whatever. I could care less what day it is. But that's the game you want to win right there in Buffalo against the divi- against a divisional opponent because I just pointed out the the wild card picture right now, the AFC picture. The Bills are currently 5 and 3. You are currently 5 and 4. You are one game behind them. You're only one game behind the Bills. You both have the same amount of wins, they just have one less loss than you. So that's going to be a huge huge game for you. And then obviously that second Bills game after the bye week after the Colts. But we'll get to that later on in time. These next four games for the Patriots. Versus Browns at Falcons versus Titans at Bills. Win three out of four, including that Bills game. Got to win that Bills game, I think. Now, if you win the first three, Browns, Falcons, Titans, and you lose that Bills game, I'll still be okay with it. Although the tiebreaker situation could be a little up in hand. But, hey, that's a tough game, primetime game in Buffalo against a great team. Plus, you just beat a team before, so it's not like you're losing back-to-back games. I'll be okay with it. I'll be okay with it. At minimum, though, win the next three out of four. It'd be nice if you can win this Browns game on Sunday. It'd be nice if you gonna win that Thursday game. Because if you're going to lose one of those two games, if you're going to lose one of those four games, lose against a good team. Don't lose against a team where you can beat them. You could beat them, and you should beat them, right? Only makes sense. So let's take a trip around the NFL and predict some scores, shall we? You guys know that I love to do this every Friday. So what is the difference between this week and any other week? Dolphins win against the Ravens on Thursday Night Football 22-10. Ravens just didn't look good. Dolphins looked good enough to win, and... That's a tough loss for the Ravens, obviously, because, you know, the Browns are competitive. Steelers are competitive. The Bengals are competitive in that AFC North. You would have thought this would have been a layup, a cakewalk for the Ravens. However, it was not. Titans ha- host the Saints. Probably going to go Titans if the Saints had Jameis Winston. I'd still probably pick Titans. Titans are sneaky good this year. They lost Eric Henry, and they went out to L.A. and beat the Rams convincingly. I expect a lot of that momentum to carry over. Bills visiting the Jets. Let's call that a uh, Jets loss. Lions going to Pittsburgh. I'd like to see the Lions win, but I know the Steelers will win that game, so let's chalk it up for Steel City. Jaguars visit the Colts in Indianapolis. Colts have some momentum right now. They started off really cold, but they've been playing good as of late. They cakewalked the Jets, even though the defense of the Colts kind of gave up a lot of points kind of in the second half, but the game was already in hand. They scored 40-plus points. So I'm going to go Colts over the Jags. Buccaneers coming off their bye week. Going to D.C. to play the football team. Tom Brady after the bye week. Against a bad defense. Got to give it to Tampa Bay here. Browns obviously visiting the Patriots. I've talked about it. I am picking the Patriots to win that game. Falcons going to Jerry's World in Dallas to face the Cowboys. Interesting game. I hope this is a long, hard-fought game that goes into overtime. So when the Falcons... Play on Thursday against the Patriots. They're fatigued. I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win. I think they're an, a superior team to the Falcons. Cardinals host the Panthers. Cardinals got a nice win with Colt McCoy. No Kyler. No DeAndre Hopkins. Panthers, tough loss against the Patriots last week. Cardinals are a better team. They're currently 8-1. and one. I do see them improving to 9-1 and one here. Chargers host the Vikings. Interesting game. I'm going to pick the Chargers in this one just because I expect a rebound game. I mean, I know the Chargers won last week, but I think they had some struggles with the Eagles' defense. Vikings' defense isn't all that much better. I'm going to pick the Chargers because I do believe in Justin Herbert and his weapons more than I do in Kirk Cousins and his weapons. Chargers over the Vikings in L.A. Seahawks visit Green Bay and the Packers. Russell Wilson hasn't practicing this week. So Russ could be playing this week. The 4 o'clock game in Wisconsin. Do I expect him to play? Yes. Should he play? Uh, that's not my decision to make. I don't get paid enough to make that decision for the Seahawks. If Russell Wilson does not play, then I am going to pick the Packers. Wait, is Aaron Rodgers playing or – because – I think he's able to come back from the whole COVID protocol thing on Saturday, like tomorrow Saturday. So I don't think he's playing. I don't want Aaron Rodgers, Patriots. I just want Aaron Rodgers news. Um, I don't know if it says he's allergic to. No, I don't care about that. Um, I don't see anything about him playing or not. So he might be still out, so it could still be the Jordan Love show in Green Bay. So even if Aaron Rodgers does not play and uh, Packers have to start Jordan Love, I'm still going to pick the Packers over the Seahawks if Russell Wilson does not play and start. Or I should say start and play. If Russell Wilson is starting and he will play, then I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this game. Packers took a tough loss last week against the Chiefs. A winnable game. Defense played great against the Chiefs. Packers' offense missed a lot of opportunities. Jordan Love, just, you know, tough situation in Arrowhead against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Tough first start. Home might be a little bit more comfortable. I don't know. I expect this to be a good game regardless because the Seahawks need to win. Packers need to win now if they're not going to be without Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable future. This game is crucially important for both teams. It's going to be ugly, but I'm going to call this the game of the week. It's an ugly one. It's an ugly one, but I'm calling this the game of the week. A lot's at stake for both teams. A lot is at stake. Moving over to the Eagles and the Broncos as the Broncos host Philadelphia. Ooh, I don't like either of them. Every time I feel like I pick the Broncos, they lose. And when I don't pick them, they win. So can I shoot for a tie? I'm going to (laughs) – I don't know. Listen, I got Jalen Hurts in fantasy, so I hope he puts up 40 points. I'm going to say Eagles just for the sake of Jalen Hurts balling out. Simple as that. I could really care less about this win. Both teams are mediocre. You know what? I hope the Eagles win just because I don't want the Broncos to gain any momentum in the tight AFC picture. So I'm going to go Eagles in this one. Chiefs visit Las Vegas for Sunday Night Football. This is going to be a good one. I swear, every time the Chiefs and the Raiders are on primetime, it's a good game. It's a good game. I'll never forget a few years ago, it was Chiefs and Raiders. It was like Thursday Night Football whatever. It was like one of Derek Carr's first seasons. And Chiefs just took the lead. Uh, Less than two minutes. Derek Carr marches down. With the Raiders, gets in position. They're like in the end zone, and it was like three defensive penalties by the Chiefs. So the game had no time left on the clock. But since they were defensive penalties, then you keep playing, even with no time on the clock. And then after all that, the Raiders, I believe, were able to get a game winning touchdown. If I remember correctly, it was a few, like I said, it was one of Derek Carr's first few seasons. It might have been his rookie season, year two, I'm not exactly sure. They were still in um, ODACO Coliseum, though. I do know that. Rams, 49ers, Monday Night Football. I like the Rams. I don't think OBJ will play in this game. I don't see it, but they don't need them for me to pick them to win this game. I think the Rams will win this game over the 49ers. 49ers look okay, but the Rams are just a much superior team. Will I be surprised if the 49ers win? Kind of, to be honest. But I think Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Woods, Daryl Henderson, I think that that team is just way too good. And now you're going to get Von Miller playing on defense with Aaron Donald. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Rams all the way in that game. But that is my Week 10 scores prediction. Let's quickly recap it. I have the Titans over the Saints, Bills over the Jets, Steelers beating the Lions, Colts destroying the Jaguars. Buccaneers decimating the Washington football team. Browns losing to the Patriots. The Cowboys beating the Falcons. The Cardinals destroying the Panthers. The Chargers beating the Vikings. Um, The Seahawks-Packers game was kind of if then. I'm going to go Packers. I'm going to go Packers regardless. I'm going Packers. Eagles beating the Broncos. I don't think I've ever picked – I didn't pick the Chiefs in the Raiders game. Um, I want the Raiders to win, but I think the Chiefs will win. I'm going to pick Raiders. Call it a lock. I'm picking the Raiders. And then Rams over the 49ers for Monday Night Football. That is my Week 10 prediction, and I can't wait to see how right or wrong I am. For survival. For survival this week, I am picking – who was I picking? Um, I don't remember who I picked. Who did I pick this week? Did I pick the Colts? No, I picked them before. I'm picking the Steelers over the Lions this week in survival. I'm picking the Steelers over the Lions. The Steelers better get a friggin' win, and they better not lose to the winless Lions. They better not do it because if they do it, I'm going to be pissed, and I'm going to flame all Steelers fans that I know if you lose to the Lions. Simple as that. So that is going to wrap it up for all our football, Patriots, NFL discussion because we have some bruins to talk about. We do. And boy it is not a good one. Am I a little worried about the Bruins? A little bit actually. Now, for comparison's sake, I do feel more confident in the Bruins than I do in the Celtics. I'll be honest, I do. I even though the Celtics are what are they? They're 5 and 6 and the Bruins are 6 and 5, I still feel way more confident in the Bruins. Than I do the Celtics, but last night's loss to the Edmonton Oilers was ugly. It was just straight ugly. The Oilers nine and two going into that game last night. You were six and four, home ice. Would have been nice to pull out a nice, good win against a really good team, and you're not able to do so. Bruins scored first, and the Oilers scored like moments after. Bruins scored the second goal in the second period and the Oilers tied up literally immediately after. Then the Bruins take a 3-2 lead heading into the third period and then they give up three straight goals and they lose 5-3. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Seidel with two goals, Ceci with a goal, Bouchard with a goal, and Hyman with a goal as well. Linus Olmark did not look good. Did not look good. Gave up five goals. Gave up all five goals in this game. Uh, 28 shots, 23 saves. Obviously, do the math. That's five goals. Bruins offense. I can't really complain about it. You know, Pasternak gets a goal. Carlo gets a goal. And Marchand gets a goal. Uh, Shots on net. Let's see. How many shots did the uh, 29 shots on goal? Not bad. You know, I'd I like to see it in, you know, the mid-30s, like 35 at least. But, you know, what, 29 is not terrible. It's just, I don't know. I mean, Bergeron with three shots. Grizzlick with two. Poshnok with a massive eight shots on net. But then you scroll down here. Marchand only had one. That was the one goal. That was a tip-in. Not a tip-in. Uh, a little rebound backhander. T- Taylor Hall. One shot. Shoot. Go ahead and shoot the puck more, man. Like, I mean, I'm not against you shooting the puck. Let that puppy fly. That's why you're here. You're here to score goals and be that MVP caliber player, that electrifying player we saw at the end of last year when we traded for you. So far this year, Taylor Hall has been a little disappointed in his performance. It's still early, I know. I'm not trying to overreact. I'm just saying you don't want to get too far bogged down in the standings and then it'd be too little too late. But the Bruins, I heard this on the radio the other day and it got me thinking and I didn't think about it at the beginning of the season or I should say during the off season. So when the season ended last year, Jeremy Swayman was going to be the starter, right? Pretty much was going to be the starter. I said, I want Swayman to be the starter, but I still want a veteran to back him up, whether it was Tuka or Jaroslav Halak halak signs with vancouver i believe yaroslav wait is he with vancouver he's with the canadian oh no he was drafted by the Canadian. he's with the canucks yeah so it doesn't matter to me which one i liked i liked halak a lot i really did but tav swayman a young goaltender and linus olmark a young goaltender as your goaltending tandem sounds great for the future The future looks very bright that way however right now it seems like these guys could use some some coaching some mentoring some tutelage and two young guys can't really do that to each other yeah you can give tips and tricks about that and this and that sure but you need a veteran like i said i wanted swayman but i wanted tuka to be the backup or Yaroslav Halak to be the backup, to serve as a mentor. Now, obviously, Tuka Rask can't play until, like, February, but you could have brought back Halak. But you didn't. Okay, fine. And you didn't go out to get another veteran goaltender, which I think this team needs. So, I heard on the radio a few days ago, do, the question was posed, do the Bruins miss Tuka Rask? Now, obviously, Tuka Rass for the past 10 years has been the Bruins goaltender. You knew what you were getting with Tuka night in and night out. You were going to get some great saves, great games. He was going to be a puddle every once in a while. Someone you can and someone you can't rely on. But for the most part, he was a really good goalie. He was a great goalie for the most part. A lot of people for the past years, past like many years, have been glamoring for the Bruins to get rid of this guy a lot of people call up on the radio a lot of people come into the shop even say you know that they're glad that Tuca's gone you know some people that I've talked about you know during the playoffs last year oh they want Tuka gone Swayman should have been the starter Halak should have been the starter during the playoffs whatever it may be well now that tuka has gone technically he's Tuka says he only wants to sign, resign with the Bruins Or he'll retire. He doesn't want to sign with any other team. Boston's his home and all that stuff. He said he'll even sign for the veteran minimum, I believe. But now that he is gone, all those anti-Tuka rascals have their wish. But now, people want Tuka back. Now, I never wanted Tuka gone. Never not once did I want Tuka gone. I even wanted Tuka to start Game 6 against the Islanders last year when they got eliminated, if he was healthy. They started him. I thought, hey, he must be healthy. Comes to find out he was not healthy. So I was, I said, you shouldn't have started him. Only start him if he was healthy. And it comes to find out he was not healthy. But not once did I ever want Tuca Rask out. Not once did I want Tuca Rask gone. I, like I mentioned, I mentioned this at the beginning of the offseason for hockey. I mentioned it at the beginning of the season this year. I mentioned it even two minutes ago. I wanted Tuka Rask back as a backup to Swayman. But now, with Tuka Rask fully gone for the time being, people want him back because he is a veteran, he knows how to play playoff hockey, he knows the ins and outs of goaltending, he is someone that will have great games. He is someone that will perform very well. And yes, on the flip side, he'll have, you know, leaky games. He'll have bad moments. I understand that. Every goaltender goes through it. But to have someone in the building, in-house, to teach Jeremy Swayman and obviously now Linus Olmark as well is crucial. Whether it was Tuka or Yaroslav Halak. Obviously, if you had Halak, he would be playing right now. Tuka Rask, like I mentioned, is out until February with his hip injury, his hip surgery he had. So I pose the question to you, the listener. Do you want Tuka Rask back? Should the Bruins bring Tuka Rask back? Me? I want Tuka back. And do I think the Bruins should bring him back? And I say yes because you still haven't brought in a veteran. Listen, it doesn't have to be Tuca. It could be any veteran that you find. Obviously, I want a good veteran, right? It could have been Halak. It could be Tim Thomas, at age 46 for all I care. I I, I mean, just bring in a veteran to help tutelage, to help mentor and teach these younger goalies. The coaching staff can only do so much. And I'm assuming the coaching staff has playing experience. But Tuca... will still be playing, has played, been through it recently, done it, all that stuff. That's what they need right now is someone who is active, who can still give you a little something, has seen a lot of hockey, played a lot of games, won a lot of games, maybe even lost a lot of games. Experience matters, and Swayman and Olmark don't have it. They need someone to teach them from experience. Obviously, Tuca, if you were to resign Tuca today, he probably won't play until February, but at least he'll be in the building. He could maybe even be at practice to kind of, you know, at least talk and be like, hey, you know, look for this, look for that. I don't know if he's skating yet. So, Bruins really need to address the goaltending situation because it has been very subpar. Yes, they're both young goaltenders. There's going to be flaws here and there, and there's going to be ups and down moments as they develop into pro NFL goalies but you have a legitimate sh- chance to be a playoff contender this year you need a goalie to help get you there and I'm not saying Olmark and Swayman can't help get you there but they can only help get you there if they too get help because right now the Bruins are 6-5 and five. let me look at the standings really quickly They are currently residing fifth with 12 points. Lightning have 15, the Red Wings have 16, Maple Leafs have 17, and the Panthers have 22. So the season's still early. Oh, and the Sabres behind you have 12, and the Canadians behind you have 9, and the Senators have 7. So it's still still close, still early. Got away for 20 games or so. Points mean a lot. You haven't had any overtime or shootout losses just yet. So your, six points are, or your 12 points are coming from six wins. But the Bruins need to do something to help get them there. Because if the Panthers, the Maple Leafs, and the Detroit Red Wings are going to be the top three teams in the Atlantic Division, you should have no problem getting into the playoffs as a one of the top four seeds in your division. You should have no freaking problem. Now the Panthers are off to a phenomenal start. They've lost three in a row, though. The Maple Leafs? Yeah, the Maple Leafs, what do you expect? The Red Wings were fantastic for an abundance of years. Then they've really slowed down the past couple of years to almost sucking, and now they're kind of back on the brink of things. The Lightning are the Lightning. What can you expect? They're you know, two-time defending world champions, Stanley Cup champions. And you're right there. You're on the brink of being one of those top four. You're on the brink of you know being a bottom four. You need to go out and make a move to help this team. And I think addressing the goaltending situation should be number one. Now, obviously, later on in other episodes when the season matures a little bit, we can talk about hmm, maybe the fourth line here and the 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 2nd deep de-pairing there and stuff like that. We can get into that later on, closer to the trade deadline. But right now, the blaring issue for me is goaltending. You have scored 31 goals this year. In your 11 games, you have scored 31 goals. In those same 11 games, you have given up 33 goals for a differential of negative 2. Now, obviously, it's fairly good compared to the Senators are at minus 15, the Canadians are at minus 18, Sabres are at 0, Lighting at minus 1, Red Wings minus 5, Maple Leafs minus 1, and the Panthers are at plus 16. So minus 2 is not terrible. is not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. But for a playoff contending team, a Stanley Cup, Hopeful team, you would like to see some posit- posit- positivity there in the goal differential. Can you point to the lack of offense? Maybe, but I don't think that's the problem. Could you point to the defense? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Bruins still need a, top, a legitimate top four defensive defenseman. You know, nice someone to pair with Charlie McAvoy, but then you have to go out and either pay or trade the house for one. So maybe just getting some, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'll talk about that later later down the line. But I honestly point to goaltending. Now, I didn't watch the third period. I only listened to the game on the radio. So I don't really know if it was the defense that gave up these goals or if it was Olmark that just, you know, left the net and they just scored five times, right? But the Bruins have some internal issues that they need to figure out. And I have full confidence that they'll figure it out. Like I said, I have more confidence in the Bruins than I do in the Celtics. And obviously that's going to transition us into our Boston Celtics discussion because I do have some things I want to talk about with those Celtics. So as I mentioned before, the Celtics are currently residing at 5 and 6. On a one-game winning streak, yay! But they are struggling big time at home. They're uh, one and three at home. And they're four and three on the road, resulting in that five and six record. Their last ten games, they are five and five. Which I mean, they've only played eleven, so it doesn't really matter. They are currently residing as the 11th seed in the Eastern Conference. Like I mentioned, same with Hawkin. I've mentioned this over and over. 20, 25 games, and then you get to see the full picture and the scope of each team. Right? <clears throat> Look at the Knicks. They started what four zero, whatever. And now they're seven five. And they've taken a huge step back. So things are are shaky, right, for the Celtics. They are. They're three games back of first place, the Wizards for some odd reason, but I'm not too worried about that. I am worried, though, about this team and their offense. I don't think it's consistent at all. If Jason Tatum doesn't play well, then I don't have confidence that the teams can win. Because with Jalen Brown going to be out for a couple of weeks, and he had the whole COVID thing, now he has a, a hamstring strain, I believe it is. I, I could be mistaken. Where is this team going to find its secondary offense? Hence why I want them to trade for John Wall. The secondary offense is coming from a myriad of players. So they won on Wednesday 104-88 to 88 against the Raptors. And the Raptors are the Raptors. I'm eh. They got 22 points from Tatum, 10 from Horford, 16 from Rob Williams, the Time Lord, 13 from Smart, 20 from Schroeder, and 15 from Josh Richardson. So a nice plethora of scoring across the board. Tatum had the 22 in the, as the high, and um, what was it Smart had 13, the lowest out of the players that played a lot. I mean, I guess Langford had 6 in 19 minutes, and Graham Williams had 2 in 17 minutes. Whoop-de-doo. But it was nice to see the Celtics have a plethora of scoring coming from different areas of, you know, their team. Not just Tatum, and it wasn't just, you know, Smart or whatever. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six players had double figures. That's nice to see. You like you want to see more than one or two guys have double digit points. You want to see players put up big assist numbers because that means the ball is moving. Tatum had seven. Smart had six. I'll take the four from Schroeder. The ball is moving. That's what this team needs to do. They can't play hero ball with Tatum. They can't play hero ball with Brown. Marcus Smart even said a couple weeks ago that, you know, they're not passing the ball. I heard that they had a players-only meeting. I also heard that it didn't go well. I forget what day that meeting was, but listen, they won 104-88 against the Raptors, and the game before that, if I can just pull it up, they lost on Saturday the 6th, 107 to 104, on Luka Doncic's corner three buzzer beater as he beats the Celtics on a buzzer beating three for the second year in a row. It just seems like Mavs, Celtics, Doncic buzzer beater threes. So, besides that, I mean, that was a good game. They were down big and then they came back in a position to win that game. It's just, you know, a, a freak thing happened. Luka happened. <laughs> Luka Doncic happened. They beat the Heat, they beat the Magic. So, I mean, things are looking up for the Celtics. I do have to be honest. They are looking up. But the Celtics do have some tough games coming up for them. They got the Bucks today at 730. Tomorrow, um, Saturday, they visit Cleveland. Then on Monday, they ho- uh, they're they still in Cleveland. What the hell? Why? I, okay. It's not a home-and-home. Home. It's just a little two-game series. Then you go to Atlanta to play the Hawks. Then you have the Lakers coming here, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Nets. You have a nice little homestand. Then you go to San Antonio to play the Spurs. You have a lot of games coming up. You got you got to go to Toronto, to play the Raptors, and then the 76ers on December 1st. So between now and the end of the month, you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Nope, I counted that wrong. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games between now and the end of the month. I would like to think that's a lot of games. I mean, that's like a game every other day if you average it out, which is kind of what the schedule is, you know, generally speaking. But you have a lot of good games coming up. The Bucks, you know, back to back, um the day after you got the Cavs and you're again in Cleveland again and you get the Hawks, the Lakers. So the Spurs, the Nets. I mean, there's some good teams that you're playing. I'm just trying to make sure that the Thunder, the Spurs, the Rockets, they're, they're bad teams, but I mean, the Celtics as we know, are susceptible to losing against bad teams. That's just a fact. Look at look at early in the season. They lost to the Wizards twice. I know the I know that the Wizards are a good team now, but at that time, in the beginning of the season, no one really expected it. You know, they were able to beat the Rockets by ten points earlier this year. But still, what you gotta win the games you're supposed to win. You have to. These games against the Cavs, the two games against the, uh, the Cavs, I don't want to say the, the Hawks should be a, a win, but they do suck this year. So I'm not going to count it because they were good last year. It's still early, 2025 20, games. You got to have that mentality across the board for everybody. So those two games against the Cavs should be a win. The Thunder should be a win. The Rockets should be a win. The Spurs should be a win. I don't want to call the Raptors a win, but maybe, maybe not. So those are at least five games you should win out of those 10 games. If you can beat the Bucs at home, that'd be great. If you can beat the Lakers at home, that would be great. If you can beat the Nets at home, that would be great. These tough games are all at home. Gives you an advantage. If all these games, the Bucs, the Lakers, and the Nets were all on the road, I would understand you losing. These next 10 games, I'd like to see them win at least 6. I mean, I know that's kind of a low number. Ideally, I'd like it to be 7, 8. I mean, that's asking for a lot. You know, just really go on a nice big stretch win eight out of the next 10 games no matter how it comes and that would really vault you into the thick of things for the um, eastern conference playoff picture but with the celtics team i don't know how confident i feel that they can do that that's why i'm saying those five games need to be a win i would like to see two out of those three games against the bucks lakers and nets to be a win two out of those three i don't care how it comes so it'd be nice if it was against the nets because they're your division but then you get the raptors. I'm missing another one. Oh, the Hawks that I already mentioned. Win those games. Those are winnable games. I mean, you just beat the Raptors. You're playing the Thunder for the first time this year. Yeah, the first time this year you're playing the Thunder, but they're not a good team. So, the schedule right now for the Celtics is looking a little soft with a couple of tough games mixed in. Obviously the Bucks tonight, the Lakers, you know, next week, and then the the Nets towards the end of the month. Those are probably your three toughest games for the rest of November. And you got a bunch of games that you should win. And then you got a bunch of games or a, a handful of games you could win. The Celtics need to make a move now because this Eastern Conference playoff picture is tightly compacted. If they can win the next eight out of 10 games, that'll vault them to 13 and eight. I would love if the Celtics could be 13 and eight at the end of the month. I think they could. They should. I don't want to say they will because I, they probably won't because the Celtics oftentimes do things opposite of what I said, what I say. So I should sit here and say that the Celtics should lose the next 8 out of 10 games so maybe it will come to fruition that they will win the next 8 out of 10 games. So it's really tough. With Jalen Brown out for the next couple of weeks, I want to see more, more team basketball. Pass the ball. Don't just... Take a, a three, a contested three. Don't just, you know, take a contested shot, period. Don't just drive. Look for the open man. Look for the person that has the best shot available. You have 24 seconds on the shot clock. Use it to your advantage. Everyone knows that Jason Tatum is the best player on the Celtics, so they're going to put their best defender on Jason Tatum. How does Ime Udoka and the rest of the Celtics adapt to Tatum potentially being erased? Because if Tatum gets Giannis Antetokounmpo for the rest of the night, uh, tonight, how many points is Tatum really going to score? I don't know. I don't know. But if you can get supplementary scoring from Smart, Richardson, Schroeder, Horford, Rob Williams getting 16 points, that's massive. Then I think the Celtics could be in a good position to dance with the defending world champion Bucks. Is that going to happen though? I don't know. I still think. At some point this year, the Celtics are going to have to make a move to help this team. They're going to have to do something to help this team because I don't think this team is built for the long haul. Obviously, December 15th is when those contract-extended players or those contract-signed players can get traded. That's basically when trading season starts for the NBA, is December 15th. Why? I I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like 90 days or something like that, 60 days. I could care less. But... But, 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 but. Big but. Small but. But, in the meantime, Celtics need to take opportunity, the opportunity they have now, and win these games. Because when that schedule flips over to December, there's a lot of tough games. I'm just going to briefly go through it. I'm not going to say win-loss. I'm not going to say home or away. I'm just going to tell you, from December 1st to the 30th, to 31st, excuse me, these are who they're playing. The 76ers, the Jazz, the Trailblazers, the Lakers again, the Clippers, uh, the Suns, the Bucks, the Warriors, the Knicks, the 76ers, the Cavs, the Bucks, the Timberwolves, Clippers, Suns, and that's the 31st. That's a lot of games against a good opponent. 76ers, good. Jazz, good. Blazers, good. Lakers, good. Clippers, good. Suns, good. Bucks, good. Warriors, good. Knicks, good. 76 is good. Cavs, no. Bucks, good. Timberwolves, no. Clippers, good. Suns, good. December is going to be hell for the Celtics. So the rest of November is so crucial for this team. It, it absolutely is. And I would really hope that you as a Celtics fan, if you are, which that's why I'm probably assuming why you're listening to this segment, would see that as well. The Celtics need to go on a good stretch here for the month of November because, like I mentioned, December does not look good for this team. But that is going to do it for everything I need to talk about here in episode number 104 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I talked about a bunch of stuff ranging from Odell Beckham signing with the Rams, the Patriots, the you know predicting Week 10 scores, the Bruins, the Celtics, didn't talk any Red Sox today, but, you know, it's kind of a, a lull right now. Obviously, everything going on in baseball, the work stoppage potentially coming up as the CBA agreement is due, and then also just because baseball season's not in right now. But obviously, as more news revolves around Red Sox and baseball, I will address it accordingly on either Monday or Friday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But you heard my opinion, my take, my thoughts about the topics at hand today now it's your turn to sound off whether on social media at Merce Cartown or in the comments section below if you are listening to this on YouTube I want to hear what you have to say about Odell I want to hear what you have to say about the Patriots the Bruins and or the Celtics let's have a conversation a debate a discussion a argument a I don't know other turn a, a chat a talk a, a gentleman's um a gentleman's qu- quarry? Is is that a word for talking? Quarry? Gentle, I don't know. Gentleman's quarry. Is that a movie? No, it's not a movie. Hmm. I, th- I thought that a gentleman's quarry was a phrase for talking. I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed everything that we talked about in today's uh, today's episode like I mentioned that is going to do it for me in today's pod episode I really really hope you enjoyed what we talked about and if you did please make sure you reach out to me on social media at Murph's Card Town let me know let me know if you have anything you want me to talk about it could be anything revolving around the Red Sox Bruins Celtics Patriots uh, or any sport related thing maybe you want me to talk about you know uh, Vladimir Guerrero winning the Hank Aaron Award or whatever it may be. I don't know. Let me know. I'd love to talk about a topic that you want me to talk about, but I won't know. You got to let me know. And thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. I cannot forget to thank you for that. I just posted how we passed 5,000 downloads. It was on Wednesday, I believe I posted it. So thank you so much for that. It truly, truly means a lot. I did want to address this at the beginning of the episode, but I had a lot on my mind in regards to today's topics. So I cannot forget to address my thanks to you every single one of you who supported this podcast from day one so thank you so much for downloading listening and enjoying as i greatly greatly appreciate it and for those listening on youtube thank you so much for liking this episode if you did enjoy today's episode comment down in the comment section below like i've already mentioned And also, please subscribe to the channel if you are new or have not considered subscribing yet, As I would greatly appreciate your love and support over on the YouTube channel. But like I mentioned, that is going to do it for me and today's episode. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. The weather is probably going to be shit again. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Rain today, rain tomorrow, 53 and sunny, and yeah, that's not good. Okay, (laughs) weather doesn't look good. but That is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I cannot wait for Monday's episode. Hopefully, we have some good Patriots stuff to talk about. Hopefully, we have some good Bruins and Celtics stuff to talk about. And then maybe we'll have some Red Sox news that breaks. Who knows? We'll see. But I will catch you on Monday for Monday's episode, episode number 105. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you and you know that I will always, always see you.